Well, amen, amen. Good morning, church. I hope you're doing well today. So excited to be here. Uh, as always, we're excited uh, about being here today, but we're also excited about things that we have going on uh, really in North Africa all the way uh, to Athens, Georgia this morning. Our church, Connection Church Athens, that we planted will be kicking off their first service uh, this morning. So be praying for Dustin and his team uh, as they get ready to launch their first service. They've already seen uh, several people come to know the Lord and baptize the you and have already uh, been rocking in, in connect groups and seeing people discipled that way. And so we're super excited uh, for them. So just a lot going on this morning. I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you were here last week, you know uh, we introduced the theme for this year, 2021. And this theme is about knowing God, right? And so uh, one of the things that I shared with you guys last week is my heart for you uh, as a part, as being a part of this church is that you would have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, not just come to church, uh, not just kind of see other people and what they have, but that God has given you access to God, that you can walk in a relationship uh, with Jesus, and that's my prayer. And so what we're going to be doing for this year, uh, really for uh, the next uh, several, several weeks, is we're going to be walking through the Bible, the redemptive narrative of the Bible, and we're going to be using, as Bo said, this book, the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you didn't get a copy of this uh, last week, I think we gave them all out. Uh, but we would love to give you one of these. We'd love to order one. If you've dedicated a baby, uh, then you've gotten one of these, but we would love for you to have that. And what this is, is basically uh, it walks through the book, uh, the Bible, Genesis all the way to Revelation, uh, and shows you and points to Jesus from the beginning all the way until the end. And another thing that we're doing uh, is what we're calling our 412 reading plan, right? So if you've uh, been here, you know Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says that God's Word is living and active, right? And it it, 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 it works in our lives. And so what we want to do as a church uh, is unify together and begin reading through uh, the Bible together. The way we're going to do that is through uh, this 412 reading plan. You can pick up a copy of this out at the blue tent. Uh, or you can download our app, Connection Church by Delia, uh, and 412 is on there. Uh, we'll have a, a Bible study question for you uh, each morning for you to go there and spend time with God as we read together. We'll also be discussing this in small groups. As you know, uh, we're going to be looking at what it means to know God. Uh, we're going to be reading through that together uh, and studying it together during the week in small groups, as well as your kids will be studying through uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible and what it means to know God uh, through his word over there. And so all the church is unified behind this. And so my prayer is that in the year of 2021, you would look back and you would say, man, this year I've grown in knowing God and who he is. Because God's given us a great gift in his word. God's word, the Bible that we have is his revelation of himself to us. Right? So we don't have to wonder who God is. We don't have to, to think about or ask questions. We can go to God's word and know him for who he is there. And there's really nothing more important in our lives. There's nothing more valuable than us knowing God. The Bible actually links knowing God with eternal life. John 17, 3, Jesus tells us that eternal life is to know God. That means that if you want to experience eternal life, then it, it comes as we know God. And so that's our prayer for this year. I hope you will jump in along with us and journey together with us uh, through the book of Genesis uh, all the way to Revelation. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we'll start in verse 1. I'm going to pray for us and uh, we'll get started. So Father, again, we love you. Uh, God, we're so thankful for uh, your grace in our lives. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning as we open uh, your word, God, that, that how you've revealed yourself to us. God, that you would teach us who you are. God, that you would teach us who we are, God, in our sin and show us our sin. And God, would you show us our Savior and how great Jesus is. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Not very hard to find. Just open us the first uh, page 1 of your Bible, hopefully. It says this. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That's important. That means from the very beginning, God existed, right? He's the first. He's the preeminent one. He's been there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If you want to know, want to know what 
like what the world and heavens and earth were like before they were created. It was dark. It was formless. It was void. Think about your life before God speaks into it, before God saves you. There's a lot of darkness. There's not a lot of form. There's a lot of void. There's an emptiness. The, the Hebrew word actually means chaos, that the world was at chaos. Our lives were a chaos before God speaks and creates his life in us. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was the morning. The first day. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and he gathered the waters he called them seas and God saw that it was good verse 11 then God said let the land produce vegetation seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds and it was so the land produced vegetation plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the, the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made uh, the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. The first time he makes in his image, right? Our, who? It's plural. The Trinity God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, were created in his image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them. The first thing he does after he creates mankind is God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So that's long, but here's the thing I want you to understand. I want you to see three things in this this morning that I believe will help us know God. The first is I want you to see God's power. 
God's power, the power of God's word. It says God speaks and heaven and earth were created. Not just earth, heaven and earth, galaxies, Milky Way galaxy, all the galaxies, stars. Think about just the magnificence of all that God created with the power of his voice. Like you and I, we don't really understand this, right? We have to go and do things to make things happen. I, I can't even talk to Will, my son, and say, hey, Will, go do this. And it's not a fight for him to go and do what I ask him to do. God speaks and things happen. He says, uh, let there be light and it happened. Let there be a sky and it was so. He says, let the water and dry land separate and they move. He says, let the creatures, livestock, wild animals be created. It was so. Let them make. And then he creates mankind and it was so. It's just easy to read this and it not be a big deal. This is a huge deal. This is this is power to speak and things come into existence. Listen to Psalm chapter 33 verses 6 through 9 the way the author of Psalms explains it. He says, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The prophet Jeremiah says this. Is it not is not my word like fire, declares the Lord. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. The power of God's voice, the power of God's word is incredible. Uh, not only do we see it with creation, but we see it throughout the Bible. Uh, we see it in the life of, of Jesus. Think about the life of Jesus. Jesus tells a dead man, Lazarus, to come back to life, and he does. Not because of anything he's done, but because of God's voice commanding him to come out. Jesus tells a blind man to see, and he does. So he has control over, over blindness, right? Not only that, he tells a hurricane, wind, rain, storm, in the middle of the sea. If you've ever watched the deadliest catch, powerful things that can kill, that can just are, are way more powerful than anything you could ever think about in the midst of a hurricane he says calm be still boom the wind and the waves obey him jesus tells a lame man who medical medically cannot be fixed to get up off of his bed and walk and he walks jesus tells the man that his sins are forgiven who can forgive sins or he can now show take you different things about the, side uh, of the, the power of God's word is so incredibly uh, apparent when we read God's word. Listen to me. God's word is still has the same power today that it had then. And it will have the power that it had then, now, and forevermore. God's word is powerful. We need to understand this. If we truly believed that God's word had this type of power, how would it change our lives? How would it change our lives if we believe that the same voice that spoke the world, the heavens and the earth, into existence, the same voice that has control, sustains the world, the same voice that have done all the things that I just talked about, if we believe that that same voice was written to us in a book, how would we treat it differently? I'll tell you how it changes my life. Number uh, Letter A is I crave it. I, I want to know God's word, the same God that created the heavens and the earth. He has revealed himself to me through his word, and he talks to me. Every word of Scripture is the voice of God, is what the Bible teaches. And I want to know him. Listen, I want to read God's word. I want to study it. I want to know it. I want to experience it. I want to build my life on it. I want to look, look through the lens, not of how I feel, but God, what does your word have to say about every situation in my life? That's how I want to see God's word. I want to approach it humbly and submissively without pride so that 
that every it can apply into my heart and my heart can be good soil where the seed of God's word falls on it and it reaps fruit. That's the type of heart that I want to have. I want to approach it in a way where it teaches me and corrects me and it rebukes me and trains me. I want it to be the authority of my life. I want it to be the mirror that I look into that reflects back to me not only the good of who I am in Christ, but also, God, what parts and areas of my life need to become more and more like you? I want it to be my instruction manual on every area of my life. What is my purpose? What is the purpose of marriage? How do I need to parent my kids? We can treat those around that's God. what God's word is intended to be. Listen to Tony Evans uh, explain it this way. He says the Bible is not simply words about God. It is the word of God. Many people learn about God from the Bible, which is good. But that is not where you are to stop. The word of God is the voice of God in print. It is active and alive and it's sharper than a double-edged sword, able to reach and instruct the deepest recesses and the core of who you are. We must read it. We must know it. We must speak it. We must give it authority in our lives. We must pray every day this prayer. Your word, God, is powerful. Your authority is all inclusive. Grant me grace as I study your word to understand and apply it to my life. Listen to me clearly. If you want to know God, if you want to experience the power of God, like Paul talks about in Philippians 3, if you want to hear the voice of God, then you must spend time in God's Word. It's, it's, it's given to us. So, so the only obstacle in the way of us knowing God and experiencing God and hearing the voice of God is our inability or our unwillingness to get into God's Word. God's given us everything that we need to hear the voice of God and know and here's the promise that I will make to you today. I will guarantee you this on my life. If you will commit to getting along with God and spending time in His Word and learning to read His Scripture the way it's designed to be read, I promise you it will transform your life. I've never met a person that, is, that spends time with God in His Word on a consistent basis that their life is not being transformed. I've never met that person. He would come if we don't know and the so truth. In the would we be a church? About Noah would you and, and I be a people that are unseparated from God, that we would spend time in God's Word? This is what the 412 reading plan is all about. And for some of us, I want to get serious for a minute. And y'all know me, I'm going to shoot you straight every time. But I want you to understand this, because this is a serious issue. If you have no desire for God's Word, then you have no desire for God. Our okay. our right, right. So I, I get this all the time with people. Hey, Right, tell me about what God's teaching you through His Word. Well, I hadn't really been reading God's Word, God. but I've been praying. Right, so it's not about you know, and I'm like, okay, well, that could be a hundred different things. To redeem us, you know, to reconcile what are you praying? To God. You know, because if, if it's you doing the talking, when is God doing the talking back? And so what we got to understand is that if we have no desire for God's Word, then we truly have no desire for God. And if we have no desire for God, then the Spirit of God God is not in us because that's what the Spirit of God does is bring a desire for God. And if the Spirit of God is not in us, then the Bible would teach us that we are not saved. The first step for us is to humble ourselves and ask God to save us and to give us His Holy Spirit. Because listen, before I became a Christian, before I surrendered my life to Jesus, I knew about God. I'd been to a service a lot like we're sitting in right now, I'd heard people Christ preach the Bible. But when I walked away from that service on Sunday, there were way more important things in my life than to sit down with God with the Bible and read it. This would be the Why? Because the Spirit of God was not at work in me. 
This the Spirit of God had not revealed the truth the that the most the valuable thing in my life was a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when he did, it began to stir in me. I'm not saying that you don't struggle from time to time, but what I'm saying is deep in the bottom of who you are, the Spirit of God brings a desire to know God. So not only does it change my life because I crave God's Word, letter B, I preach it, right? I speak it. I talk to people about it. When we believe the power of God's word, we can't help but share it with everybody. Saved, lost, friends, not friends. We want to talk about it because, listen, the same power that created the world, the same power that called the dead to life, the same power that healed the sick and the blind is the power of God's word. Wherever I go, in season, out of season, on a plane, on a trip, at a restaurant, I want to know the power. I want to know God's word so much so that I can speak it. Because if it has the power that God, that the Bible teaches that it has, at any moment, it could transform somebody. At any moment, it could transform my son. At any moment, it could transform my family. At any moment, it could transform whoever I'm talking to. That's the power that we're dealing with. I preach it because I know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Listen to Romans 10, 13 through 7. Paul says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, how then can they call on the name of the on the one who they have not believed in? Tell us, Paul. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Tell us, Paul. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Consequently, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the message. The message is heard through the word. Literally, of God through the word about Christ. Not only do I preach it because I know that faith comes by hearing, but I preach it because I know that it has the power to transform lives. Listen to Romans 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Not only do I crave it, not only do I want to preach it and talk about it, but but three, letter C, I, I want to do my best to live it out. And we take it. Right? Because the word, just like Jesus came, the word became flesh. The word, as it takes root in our life, part of the power of it is it transforming our life so much so that it looks different. So that when people look at your life, it, in the same way that Jesus was the word that became flesh, the word begins to live in you and through you so much so that people can see Jesus. I do my best to live out God's word because I desire to please God. The the call to follow Jesus is a call to live as God's word wants you to live. The call to follow Jesus is literally summed up best in listening to God and doing what he tells you to do. That's the best way to define following Jesus. I do my best to live out God's word because I want others to see Christ in me. I want others to see Christ I do my best to live out God's word because I understand that the only Jesus that some people in this world will ever see will be me. I mean, think about that. I'm not trying to put a weight on your back, but what I'm saying is that some of us run in some circles or we work in some places or we travel in some groups where they're not going to come to church. They may be like the people of North Africa. They're never going to hear the message of Christ in a church building. And so the only place they'll ever hear it, the only place that it'll ever become visible to them is in mine and your life as we live it in front of him. I want to live a life that testifies to the power of God's word. Not only that, I want to do, the, do my best to live it out because I want my kids to see what a real relationship with Jesus is. Listen, I sit down with parents all the time. What he's talking about is face-to-face relationship is that they talk and can say back know what it is. Like, but as I've sat down with people older than me that have been through this thing and they've raised children, give our time multiple children, and buy into the lie. They'll tell you the most important thing is that your kids look at your life 
and what he and not see perfection, but they see an accurate picture of what a true relationship is. There's nothing that you can say to your kids that means more than that. There's no amount of times that you can bring them to church that means more than that. What they see in your life will shape their view of God. If they don't see a relationship with God in you, then most likely, especially if they don't see a relationship in God with you, then they hear you say that I'm a Christian. What happens is they begin to relate a Christian with what they've seen in your life. And so they go about, listen, I've ministered to these people for so long that they go about believing that they're a Christian because mom and dad were a Christian. They lived how they wanted to live, but they went to church on Easter and Christmas and they were fine. And so as I get up and try to explain, hey, buddy, that's not exactly what the Christian life is. Well, yeah, it is. I've seen it for 18 years of my life. And the number one hindrance to them coming into a, a relationship with Jesus is the sin of their parents. And so I want us to take that seriously as God calls us to, to live out his word, to, to, to live out what he calls us to be. It's impacting people. And it's very important that our and that our walks match the Word of God. And to help you do this and to help me do this, one of the things that I do is I walk in community. When God tells us that we are created in His image, one of the things that that means is that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, right? Yet one, right? So God exists in three persons. That in itself is a community. Well, you and I are created in the image of that community. What does that mean for you and I? It means that we are created to do life in community. That isolation is not who we're created to be. We're not created to do life alone. We're created to walk in a group, in a family that have a heart for God. This is what connect groups are all about. Listen, if you want to live out the word of God, surround yourself with people that want to live out the word of God too. And they'll encourage you. They'll show you, listen, this isn't about perfection. This is about pursuing God. This is about bringing our life up under the lordship of Jesus so that he can work in us and so that he can work that is what I want for myself. I know that's how God changes me through when I believe that his word is powerful. I crave it. I preach it. And I do my best to live it out in every in every area of my life. So let me ask you a question. How is God's word changing your life? How is God's word changing your life? Because listen, if you're receiving it, then it's changing. God's God's word never turns back void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it was intended to accomplish. So the question begins, if it's not transforming our life, then what's keeping it from transforming our life? And I was agreed. Is it that you're not disciplined and you're not in God's word and you're not prioritizing it in your life? Or is it maybe you're a lot like me, you come to it, which is the pathway the man said, God. and you're not really the receiving it, way, which is the you're, you're kind of reading it God. to be a Christian, and you're not actually coming in humility like and saying, God, would you transform me through your word? This way, God, God would you align me to you and not you to me? Is it the posture of your heart that's keeping you? Are you with the soul when you come to reading God's word? Or is it for some of us that we have never surrounded ourselves with people enough, or we've never actually asked? someone to disciple us in a way where we know how to read God's word and apply it into our life. Listen, that is who we are as a church. That's what we want to do. We want to come alongside of you and help you. It's not about condemnation or it's not about feeling guilty that you don't know or that God isn't transforming you. It's about saying, no, I want it. So let me take some next steps so that God can begin a work in my life. So not only the first point do we see the power of God's word in Genesis 1, but we see 
see the implications of a creator. I got to hurry up. Um, the implications of a creator. Verses 26 through 30 show us that we're created in the image of God, that God created us. There's not a more attacked scripture in the entire Bible than Genesis 1. Because if God truly is not the creator of all, then he has no say-so in who we are and what our purpose is and what our meaning and measure in life is. But because he is the creator of all, he has say-so into those areas of our life. Think about Steve Jobs with an iPhone. Steve Jobs created Apple. He was a huge part of creating the iPhone. So when you think about who would know the iPhone best, what its functions were, what it was designed to do, what's the value of it, what's the purpose of it, you would go to the creator of it to find those things. That's exactly the implications of a creator in our life. If we want to know uh, what our design is, what our value, what our purpose is, then we have to connect to the Creator. So when we believe that God, when we truly trust God's Word, that God created us, then we can trust that there are four very significant things that God has made known. One, letter A, we have a God-given design. Listen to this. You are not an accident. Right? God specifically and uniquely designed you the way you you are to bring okay glory to himself, okay. right? Nobody's an accident. You're built, you're, you're designed in your mother's womb, Psalm 139 says. Listen, for you were created, uh, for you, he's talking to God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before before one of them came to be. You may have been an accident to your parents, but you weren't an accident to God. He formed you. He created you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb, and he designed you for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to bring him glory. Male, female, skin color, hair type, body build. Where you were born into, God designed that. God wanted that. He is the designer. Not only that, letter B, we have God-given value. If God designed us and God created us, then immediately we have, have value. We have God-given value. All men and women are created in the image of God. All men and women are created different but equal, right? It's this idea that we were created. There's intrinsic value there. All races, no matter who we are, we're different. We may look different, but we're equal. We're created by God, right? Nobody's less than. In God's eyes, we're created in the image of God. We have a design. We have value. This means that our value is not determined by the world. It's not determined by what anybody thinks about. It's not determined by how much money we have, about who our family is. It's determined by God. And the value of something is determined by the price in which someone's willing to pay for it. What did God pay for you and I? He gave Jesus his best, his first. So don't let the world try to define your value. God's already defined it. Let's connect with our Creator so that we can know our true value. Not only that, we have a God-given design, a God-given value, but we have a God-given identity. We are all created by God for God. Write that down. By God for God. God created all of us for himself. We're created for a relationship with him. We're created in the image of God. We're created to live for God. And not only that, it gets even better. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive Jesus and believe, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For those of us who believe, he gives us the right to be family members. He adopts us as sons and daughters created in his image. He, he, he invites us into that inheritance. Think about the richest person you know. When they pass away and they leave that inheritance to their children, well, you and I are part of God's inheritance. 
God, the creator of all, the person who owns everything, has invited us into his family. What a blessing. He's invited us to work and be a part of the family business. And that business is about making disciples and bringing glory to him. There's no more searching in this world for an identity as a Christian. We've been given an identity. Our creator created us with an identity. You don't have to be defined by your past. You don't have to be defined by what others think about you. You don't have to be defined by how well you're living up to the American dream. Your value comes from one place. Your identity comes from one place. It comes from connecting with God. You are a child of God. D, we have a God-given purpose. Right? In the Christian faith, there's no waking up and not knowing what you're supposed to do today. And what did he do? God's given us a purpose. That purpose is to glorify him. The Bible calls it an image bearer. That as we grow and we become more and more like Jesus, we begin to bear his image, to fill the earth with his glory. That's what he's talking about. Be fruitful and multiply. He's talking about populating the earth with more people that glorify God. That That can be having babies, but it can also be making disciples that glorify God. If we're having babies that don't glorify God, then that ain't working, right? At our church, we've never had an issue having babies. Never. But the issue for some of us is we're not making disciples. We need to be making babies. We need to be discipling people that are glorifying God. Be faithful. Be fruitful and multiply, right? Knowing your purpose and identity and value and design is an absolute game changer. It's literally, the best way I know to explain it is this. It is literally like having the the Apple iPhone and only knowing how to use it as a phone. Like when when Steve Jobs designed the iPhone, he designed computers, he designed every part of your life into this little uh, square that fits in your hand. But if all you know of it is that it's a cell phone, and you don't know about any of the other options that it has. You don't know about any of the other features that you have. You're missing out. If you don't know that it can play movies, if you don't know that it can function as your computer, if you don't know that it can function as your alarm clock, if you don't know that it can shoot a video from your phone onto a TV, you're missing out on the goodness of what he created the iPhone to be. It's the same way when we don't know God's design, but we don't know our identity, our value, our purpose, what he's created us for, then we're missing out on the very thing that God created us to do. We have to go back to God. But listen, for most of us, we've allowed the world to tell us We've allowed the world to tell us who we are, to tell us what we have to do to be who we are, to be significant, to have value. We've allowed the world or a football coach or a a teacher or a guidance counselor or whoever it is to tell us that this is what we're supposed to do with our life. None of those things are bad, but what can happen is when they're in the place of God, you begin to give your life for something that God's never asked you to give your life for. Would we connect with God in a way? Because the greatest truth of it all is that when we begin to walk in God's design, we begin to experience life to the fullest. We begin to experience satisfaction. The Bible teaches that when we find God, we find life. The third thing is this. Not only do we see the power of God's word in Genesis 1, not only do we see the implications of the creator, but we see the goodness of God. Over and over again, God says it was good. It was good. He created uh, light, sky, oceans, land. God saw that it was good. He created plants and trees and the stars and the sun, the moon, the birds, the creatures, the animals. And then he made mankind and he said it was very good. God's creation was perfect. Everything had a purpose. Everything had a place. All of it created to do one thing, to sing a song. And that song was to glorify God. But as we all know, in Genesis chapter 3, something would come into the world that would mar that up. And, and merciful finally, to those who and that was measure sin. up. He says, the serpent came into the garden that God had created, and he led Adam and Eve astray. 
God. It caused them to question what? The goodness of God. Did really, did God really say? Would God not ask you to eat of this tree? Like, how could God ask you to not do this? And they began to recreate the desire to rebel against God because instead of trusting the goodness of God and that it wasn't good for us to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but to keep eating from the tree of life, we chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We'd rather be God than experience the life God God emotional death rather than life. He shows who he is because our is chose that. When they heard God everything God created began to be deformed. His creation began to look to created things to give them what only God could give them. And we say, well, dang, Adam and Eve, y'all really messed it up for all of us. We see and in a way they did. Even go farther, as but God in another way, you and I are Adam and Eve. Sin. The rebellion led and to relationship. In your life, have you come to grips with the fact that you chose yourself over God? The Bible calls that sin. The Bible says that we're born into sin. That you and I choose ourselves over God every time. And that that sin separates us from God. And listen to this. But in God's goodness, God didn't destroy us. He didn't punish us. He sent a rescuer. And the process as the, the Jesus Storybook Bible will talk about. And this rescuer came to reconcile us back to this good God that created us with purpose, with value, with design. And he did that on the cross. And that's the good news of the gospel. That's what shows us the epitome of God's goodness. Is that God, though we deserve to be punished for our sin, though we deserve uh, the wrath of God, God chose to send his own son to take on those things for us. So that now through belief in him, we could be reconciled back to this good creator. We could be reconciled back to God so that we could experience the power of God's voice. We no longer had to be separated from it. So that God could speak into our lives. Life, and practical, a formless, to you where you void, dark life, and empowered to raise us from spiritual death to spiritual life. The in the us it's like a veil so that we could be connected to the one who defined our identity. So that we could be connected to the one who designed us. So that we could be connected to the one that has a purpose for our lives. In God's goodness, he's done that. So let me ask you a question. Have you come face to face with the fact of the earth to reveal that, that you've rebelled against Jesus. God. Jesus, the that you've chosen yourself God to be God over following the ways of God. Could do. Have you recognized that maybe in this life you're chasing things of Satan to try to figure out who am I? What is my identity? What is my purpose? What is my value? When God's right here in front of you saying, hey, this is who you are. This is what you value. This is your purpose. And maybe today's the day where you finally connect back to that. But here's what I tell you. You can't do it on your own. You need the grace of God. You need Jesus. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So right where you are, I want you to bow your head. Wouldn't be your son. I don't know where it is that this message of creation finds you today. But for some of us, maybe today's the first day that God's calling us out of religion. Or maybe the first day that God's calling us into a relationship with himself. And you know that today's the day where you want to be reconciled back. To this creator. You want to have a relationship with Jesus. You want to experience the power of God's word. If that's you this morning, you'd say, Billy, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be reconciled back to my creator. Would you lift your hand and say, Billy, that's me? I want to pray for you. Anybody in here? You'd say, Billy, that's me. It's the power of his gospel. And for the rest of us, here's my prayer. And we are a people that is prone to wonder. Listen, we, 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 we casually walk away from God while still coming to church, while still 
do it all the things that a Christian should do. And we begin to find our value, our identity, and our purpose in things other than God. Maybe today's the day that God's calling you out of that. Jesus is saying, what are you doing? Where are you doing? When people look at your life, maybe today's the day of repentance for Maybe for some of us, we doubted the goodness of God. Maybe from an experience or something that somebody told us or maybe something that we blamed on God. There's nothing that this passage screams louder than the goodness of our God. So maybe today you would come and walk away and you'd say, maybe responding to the result of knowing it may be responding to praise and worship. Wherever you're at this morning, God, would you meet us right where we are? God, would you do what only your word can do, Father, and that's bring the dead to life. God, would you do what only your word can do, and that's transform our lives to be more and more like you. Father, we want to be a church that knows you, God, that walks with you, and that glorifies you in all we do. So, Father, would you help us? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. We'll see you back next week. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away, right? So that we can be reconciled back to this perfect Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is received taken away. The now the Lord I've never believed the that God has done everything and where the necessary of the Lord is, there is freedom to save me. And we and all, morning, say, with unveiled faces, contemplate or gaze upon the, first time the Lord's glory Jesus. and are being transformed into his image so with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The result of knowing God and knowing Jesus so Father, will for the rest always be transformation. Lord, would you create when in God us reveals a heart that responds to you, when you to spend your time with God, when God, that God's every time we hear it, it's not a, a, a message that just did. sinks what into our head but misses our heart. But God, every time we hear it, we go back to a moment to you by the where Holy we recognize just how sinful we were in you and, making you and we more recognize and more like the good the God you that pulled us out of that sin and brought us the into more you his fix life, your eyes purpose, on Jesus, the more his like salvation. Jesus Father, you and would you move our hearts? God, would you move process. us to be a people As we fix our that walk in repentance, Jesus, God, that are honest about our sin confess our sin, God, that we walk in refreshment and that walk in forgiveness. And God, that we would spread sin to people as Adam and Eve did. But we would spread salvation to people because of the good God that you Listen, are. you Father, can put all the rules you want to you place. You can do all the things, go through name. all the motions. Amen, amen. Thank you but for at being the end here with we'll God has given us the blueprint for transformation. It is fixing our eyes on Jesus. It is studying God's word, his revelation, to know the person of Jesus Christ. Rules will never be able to do what God and the power of the Holy Spirit can do through that blueprint. Never. And so for us as a church, that's my heart. That we would read scripture, that we would know God's word. This is God's revelation of himself, but we wouldn't read it because Billy said read it. We would read it to know God, to satisfy our souls in his presence, to hunger for God, to ask God to reveal himself. Show us your glory, God. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. God, we have access to you, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. J.I. Packer, who's a great theologian, wrote a book called Knowing God, greater than anything I could ever preach, I'm sure. And he says this quote in it. He says, those who know God, they're characterized by four things. They have great energy for God. Those who know God have great energy for God. Number two, they have great thoughts of God. Number three, they show great boldness for God. And number four, they have great contentment in God. And I believe that's, that's, that's consistent throughout Scripture. You see that people who know God have great energy for God. They have great thoughts of God. They show great boldness for God. And they're content in God. So let me turn that around on you. Do you know God? Are the characteristics of your life great energy for God? When somebody asks you about God, does it energize you? To come to church or to spend time with God, is that energizing or is it de-energizing? Do you have great thoughts about God? Is your view of God big? Is it bigger than, than, than what I can shape on a Sunday morning, but it's big enough that when you read the Bible, you believe what it says about God? Do you show great boldness for God? Because when we know God's presence is with us and God tells us to do something, we're going to do it, even if it doesn't make sense for us. 
And lastly, do you have great contentment in God? Do you want God more than anything else in your entire life? Is He the most precious thing for you, a relationship with God? So again, I I don't know where this message or where this theme, as you can tell, I've been thinking and praying about it for a long time, probably six months now. I don't know where it finds you. I don't know where you are, but here's what I know. I know 2020 was a whirlwind. And there was a lot of unknown, a lot of things going wrong, a lot of things that we didn't expect happened. But the one thing that never changes is God. And so I know this is the message that God put on my heart, the theme that God has put on my heart for 2021 for a reason. I, don't, I maybe don't know why, but here's what I do know. It hits all of us in different ways. For some of us, our view of God needs to be corrected. And listen, the only way that your view of God will be corrected is if you say, God, I don't want to just have thoughts about you that somebody else gave me. I don't want to just listen to others. I don't want to just base my opinion of you off of what I feel or what somebody else says. I want to know you. And if that's you, would you just jump into the 412 reading plan with us and say, man, let's learn about God. From Genesis to Revelation, let's learn him. Let's know him. Not to, not to read the Bible for any other purpose than to know God. For some of us, we've been in religion for our entire life. We've just been going through the motions. We're doing rules that we think are going to earn us favor and, and, and make us close to God. I want to speak freedom into your life. When you come to know God, when you believe that Christ has done everything necessary to save you, there's nothing you can add to that. When we trust in Christ and put our faith in Christ, God accepts us fully. We don't have to do anything to earn the favor of God. Everything after that is because of what he's done for me. I want to walk and know him more than I ever have. There's no weight to pursuing God. It's the freedom to walk and know God and glorify him the way you were created to do. That's that's what it means to be free. Being free doesn't mean to do what you want to do when you want to do it. It means you're doing what you were created to do. If you you take a fish out of water and put him on dry land and say, fly, free bird, he's not going anywhere because he's created to be in the water. You and I are created to know God and to walk with God. Freedom is when we find that and we walk with him and know him. For some of us, we've never known God. We've never had a relationship with God. And today we know that God is calling us out and saying, today's the day I need to start a relationship with you. If that's you, we want to pray for you. If that's you right now, you'd say, Billy, that's me. Whatever, I just bow their head. You'd say, Billy, that's me. Without a doubt, I've never had a relationship with God. Maybe you've been in religion. Maybe you just never understood that God wants to know you. Today, you'd say, Billy, that's me. I want to know God. I want to walk with God. Would you just lift your hand and say, Billy, that's me. Right now, you'd say, Billy, that's me. And for the rest of us, here's my prayer. God, would you help us go deeper? We're we're tired of being complacent. God, we're tired of being distracted. God, you've put us on this earth for one purpose, to know you, to enjoy you, and to glorify you. So, God, would you stir up our hearts? God, a message can't stir us up, but, God, your spirit can. So, Lord, we depend on that today. God, will we reach down deep and ask you, God, would you grow us more this year than you ever have? God, would you teach us to know you? God, would you show us your glory? God, would you send your presence to go with us? God, that's our prayer. Lord, that's what we want to be the distinctive of Connection Church. Father, would you hear our prayers this morning and would you answer us? Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you back next week.